Good evening, dandies. Welcome to Undetermined, the podcast. Let's plow forward, shall we? No. Where do we want to start? Who are we talking to? Yeah, let's start with that. We are talking to Andy Stoma from Young People's Death Camp, Corporate Death Productions. Well, it's a pleasure, of course. Now, we've talked to you before. Uh, we had you on, uh, wasn't it a Christmas special for a very nerd table Christmas? Yeah, with uh, Adam Casto. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't that Christmassy though. I, I, I do remember a lot of. No, it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it was fun though. I love Adam so much. You know the the Nerd Table project is fantastic. Yeah, yeah, we love Adam too. Uh, another thing we may want to start with: Happy birthday to Happy you. Birthday. Oh, Happy birthday to you. <laughs> Now the show's running into fucking midnight. It will actually be your birthday. Yeah. I don't usually stay up this late either. Man. What a <laughs> birthday present. Thank you. Yeah. There you get to count down the clock. Yeah. Did you see my birthday burning video? I circulated it around for a year or two. It was like yeah, a, yeah. Uh-uh. a Mr. Rogers mashup with like a, a infomercial about how fast your like house can burn if you don't like properly take care of your Christmas tree, you know? <laughs> oh, oh, nice. I made it for Toshi from the Melvin's camp. Uh-huh. You know, I was like, oh, I'll make this guy this video. Actually, I think it started out for Nathan from the Bowhole Surfers camp. I made it for him because oh, he's okay, a big yeah. video for Calhoun. Yeah. Yeah. Him, yeah. And then uh, I think Toshi's birthday was right around the corner. So it just was like this gift I kept giving away to people, you know, like, oh, this is going to be nobody, but everybody gets gets it. If I see you in my, you know, my birthday notification, you got that video. <laughs> nice. I have like a wrong number that somebody called me and just left a message like years ago. And every now and then I'll send it out to someone on their birthday. And it's just this <laughs> drunk guy like, Hey man, it's your birthday! <laughs> Woo! That would probably cheer the person up who needs it the most. You know, that's like a good thing. Throw that out to the universe as like a healing. Thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wonder if I can find that. It's funny. The guy probably has no idea that that gets circulated by you over and over again. No, it does. Uh, <laughs> I'm pulling out my phone now. See if I can find it. <laughs> That'd be great. Oh. Uh, so, yeah, we didn't get much of a chance to talk about, you know, just what you do and uh, with Young People's Death Camp and Corporate Death Productions. And yeah, I, I really dig your fucking band, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we, we were talking about uh, it earlier just online. And like I said, I'm a, I'm a sucker for samples. Uh, absolutely. You got some great ones you've, you've uh, found. Yeah, I've definitely like, you know, gone through a lot of my childhood favorites uh-huh. and a lot of film, film greats too you know i'm huge into 1984 thx 1138 oh yeah mm-hmm. you know just close encounters all that crazy stuff that you know i grew up on uh-huh. you know mr rogers I, I throw mr rogers in everything and every album somewhere there's mr <laughs> rogers in probably about 50 percent of the videos mostly there's mr rogers 
I don't know what it was, but, you know, I guess it was from neglectful parents just raising me and being like, there you go, it's on the TV, you know? <laughs> nice. Boy, did it make an impact, you know? Yeah. He's a saint, though. You know, that's the thing is I think, like, with my music, like, when I choose a sample, some of them I'm like, you know, this is something that needs to be immortalized. Yeah. And it needs to just keep going in any way possible, you know? However... You know, the great thing about art is you can spin it in any direction. And if you're open open to interpretation, you know, art can be a really wonderful thing to experience, you know, in all its forms. Yeah. Sure. Well, and, and just to clarify, you know, it's a uh, music also associates itself with a lot of uh, psychedelics and LSD and Satan. <laughs> and we don't necessarily want to pin Mr. Rogers in that camp. Uh, unfortunately yeah most of the mr rogers diehard fans in camp would probably you know definitely have me burnt at the cross for my my (laughs) artistic (laughs) right you know when i first started doing shows years ago Mm -hmm. as the death camp it was more like a noise and like projection art project you know it wasn't about a band or a a music or a song. It was more about trying to find as many like 16 millimeter films as I could project Mm. and like overhead projectors Mm -hmm. and those slide slide strips. Remember those little slide strips from like kindergarten and preschool and first and second grade, you know, Uh like tons of stuff like that. Right on. It was just like, all the noise was just background to give the people when they saw something, a reason to glue it all together in some way in their head. Nice. It was so disjointed and just like an explosion of like, well, let's see how it goes. Uh-huh. But then like right. after the shows, people would be like, wow, I really like this. Like I felt so emotional when you were showing the, the slides of the different cigarette brands with the weird music. <laughs> like, all right, that's cool, dude. Like, I was just like staring down. I didn't even realize those slides were playing. But. <laughs> right. Yeah. Nice. So, uh, you know, I've kind of grown it into like, I don't want to say something marketable, but the current concept is to create something that basically like people can digest in a way that isn't so unapproachable that i'm limited to just a niche crowd you know right kind of like they say your brand you know and i hate that terminology but it it does kind of come down to that i mean i mean you want to have a an image that relates to you or or art that relates to you you know what i mean all right all right here we go maybe you can use this for a project (laughs) (laughs) yeah pick up the phone Blair. It's your birthday. Let's celebrate. I'll let your boy. That's it. That is it. I'll let well, your boy. Pick up the phone. Short and sweet. I'll let your boy. <laughs> pick up the phone. Yeah, pick up the phone, Blair. <laughs> it's your birthday. Let's celebrate. <laughs> I don't think I've ever gotten that one for my birthday. I'll send it to you next time. Okay. I, fi- I probably assumed I'd already sent it to you. <laughs> probably. <laughs> I love shit like I love old media, you know, yeah. lost media. Mm-hmm. I had this band. It was funny. I had this band right before the 
Young People's Death Camp, mm-hmm. I was in this drum and bass project called Buddhist Spaceship. Uh-huh. And when we weren't Buddhist Spaceship, we would take some shitty bookings. And every once in a while, we'd be like, let's not book this as Buddhist Spaceship. And I'd always book them as Young People's Death Camp. It's like, a, uh, uh, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, the way I got the name Buddhist Spaceship was I had this little Fisher Price recorder that I used to like do playback and loop and stuff with. Mm-hmm. And I left it at a friend's house and his son picked it up and just hit like record and p- recorded on it. You know, a little four-year-old kid uh-huh. running around with a little Fisher Price thing. And he recorded this crazy song about how the dog loves to fly away on his Buddhist spaceship and how it takes him to magical places. <laughs> and I didn't know about it. And one day I just like played the tape. It was like years late. And I was like, oh my God, like, I wonder what that kid is up to now. Like, yeah. you know, I totally created this like vibe and story out of this like little moment on that cassette and, <laughs> he's in a cult <laughs> yeah hearing it later like, but uh yeah i love that when i get to like you know be connected to the samples like for my own reason you know the whole thing with the samples too is you know for me i hate lyrics like i hate having to be like oh yeah i'm so pissed off yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> right you know i'm gonna go drink you know whereas i think like if you use the disjointed samples you can tell a story just barely mm. and the listener makes the rest of the story yeah you know you don't need to overwork it and it just seems much more mystical and alluring than if i were to like try and write songs with lyrics in them yeah i think people also really underestimate found art you know yeah I know, I know they definitely do. And saying, well, you're just copying somebody else. It's like, well, no, you're filtering it through your own lens, you know? And, and in a lot of cases, like with what you're playing, it's so obscure and it's shit that somebody may never hear in their life, but it's, it's also uh, found art is also relatable. And you know, I don't think there's nearly enough of that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the whole data is collage art. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of, I don't want to say it's looked down upon, but yeah, there's so much appropriated material in it. A lot of artists tend to be like, oh, you know, if you don't paint on canvas, you're just, you know, gluing pictures on canvas, you know? Yeah. Maybe so, but that doesn't make it bad. Yeah, yeah. You know, I love, like, I love Negative Land, that, you know, San Francisco group. They were so pivotal in, like taking something that seems so simple and creating something that like had way more power than they ever imagined, you know, like they literally started as like a gimmick and a joke. And then we're like, now they're pioneers for fair use and for, you know, end of copyright and yeah, you know, artistic use. And, you know, Mm -hmm. so like, you know, for me, that's the cool thing about being more than a band, you know? Yeah. Having a bigger, bigger vision you know yeah and the guys from from like steel pole bathtub and you know i i use a, a ministry even though they're you know a little more well I, I wouldn't call them mainstream but you know a lot of people know ministry is yeah but you wouldn't necessarily look at like you know full metal jacket in that movie through that lens of industrial music as you know i mean when you hear something like new world order or something it's they definitely put a spin on it that makes you think about the things that George Bush, you know, senior said, or, you know, what Arlie Ermey says and, and, you know, like thieves and and shit like that. Yeah. It's, it's, it's 
definitely legitimate. A lot more legitimate than people give it credit for. Well, and it's a, it can also bring you to check out something that you might not have checked out before. You know, I'm even thinking, and I, you know, I can't believe I'm using Metallica as an example, but they made me go see, check out, you know, Johnny Got His Gun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, it's those visual cues. Like, if you're not familiar with them, it really sparks your curiosity. Uh-huh. If you are familiar with them, it's like a time machine to that like moment in which you witness that visual cue, mm. you know, where you're like, oh, I remember that movie or I, you know, I remember being all tripped out watching the wall. Oh, so, uh, you know? Yeah. <laughs> right. But yeah. The whole collage thing. And that's like, you know, now with the lights, like I've gone from like, you know, little slide projectors and overhead projectors to having like cinema grade projectors and video projectors and multiple sources to like feed the imagery as we perform now so it's like this i love the butthole surfers ah, so much yeah. they're the greatest band on the planet you know they had balls beyond balls mm-hmm. right if nobody is gonna pick up where they are then i'm gonna try and pick up because like in my opinion that was like the entertainment niche that was like when i was growing up that was the most satisfying thing in the world it was like guaranteed to like blow your mind. Yeah. Yeah. I saw the Bohol surfers once and they had a wall of strobe lights that just shined an X. So when you closed your eyes, you saw X's in your eyes, you know, and <laughs> yeah. it, took me, it took me a couple minutes to be like, Oh, it's so annoying. And then all of a sudden it hit me. It was like, Oh, that was so intentional. Like, right. Uh, they want you to see X's in your eyes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's been a few bands that have done that. Not a lot. I mean, like, uh, you know, well, fuck flaming lips too. Oh yeah. Good example of that using those sorts of visuals and, and things like that, that have just become iconic, even though they didn't invent the Zorb ball. Yeah. Who was uh tripping Daisy? Yeah. Does some of that. Yeah. Them as well. But yeah, that's a, that's a real good way to put it. Like, Young people, Seth Campus picking up where uh, but old surfers left off. <laughs> yeah, well, and just with that, like, I, I love music. Like, the other thing that corporate death for me is, is like experiencing live shows and music and trying to meet other artists and just, you know, have a moment to see like inside of it, you know? Yeah. Or to let other people see like inside of it through me. Uh huh. You know, the cool thing about that is it's like such a cool networking option you know it's like i really get access to a good amount of people you know i'm i'm really kind and friendly i'm you know innocent and tame so most people think like you know i'm not really you know up to no good (laughs) right (laughs) well we know better (laughs) right so you're out of uh uh ithaca new york yeah Mm -hmm. yep i've been here a long time it's weird here in my town, and, you know, especially now since COVID, like we've lost a lot of rooms. There's a lot of like, you know, hesitance to open up and have artists back or who, what artists get to come back. You know, mm-hmm. everybody's protective of their dollar. Sure. And my, you know, my, my style of show is, you know, it's not necessarily your typical bar type show. Right. But I am working really, I mean, I'm, I'm booking a tour from, Pittsburgh to Albany this June Mm -hmm. and I'm going to do it again in August from hopefully Chicago back to Albany Mm -hmm. 
And uh, I'm just going to start trying to, you know, run a good show circuit and get out and just, you know, get the live band in front of people. The live band has been really cool because it's like all of the songs we play are like songs that are, they're just swung in different directions, but they still like have that like impact with the vocals and visuals, but it's just the band playing it live. Yeah. Like songs have a different feel and there's, you know, much more control over where the songs go and how they open up and close down. Mm. which is cool you know i love my live show like it's like my favorite place to be it's home next to home you know yeah or home away from home Mm -hmm. well let's uh, talk about that a little bit with the uh the cats that you play with the stuff has it been uh a revolving cast characters or you got collaborators that you've been with for a long time or the live band really in its face right now Mm -hmm. which is kind of like a grunge rock band Mm mm-hmm that's only been in concepts for about a year before COVID. Mm, okay. The songs were written before then. Like I basically write and release all the material and then I find people willing to play. Okay. My next release will actually feature these musicians because we've been working through all through COVID and we're really close and tight, you know, and it's a great thing mm. for me, you know, the, the financial practicality is, you know, it's hard for me to drag a full band into a studio and set aside time and then get overextended. Yeah. You know, that's kind of where I was with the video. Like things get overextended quick budgets. You know, I save money and budget for things. And then the minute you start, you're like, that budget's gone. Like, (laughs) yeah. So, uh, you know, the next album will be, uh, you know, a live band project, which is great. But most of the stuff, you know, I I write, compose, record all myself. You know, I try and keep it all in my own hands. Yeah. Just so that way, like, the artistic vision and integrity is always kind of, you know, ingrained. Mm -hmm. The other guys help write. Like, that's the great thing about the live show is, like, the other guys bring their input into the the songs through that venue. Yeah, yeah. Like, they know, like, I'm never going to probably come to them and be like, oh, we got to sit down and write a song. Mm. you know i will comment them with hey i have four or five ideas listen to what you hear and then pick one or two and we'll hash out something yeah so tell me about the lineup right now who who all's in it so right now the the longest member in the band is this guy joe meeks and uh, he's the drummer Mm -hmm. and he's just i met him through my corporate job which i've you know desperately been trying to leave but unfortunately <laughs> you know forever chained to isn't it funny how like benefits and good pay kind of change you to your job? <laughs> yeah yep so i met him he repairs equipment in kitchens i happen to chef in kitchens so i've known the guy for a while and he'd come in and fix you know fix my equipment and you know get all dirty for me and fix gear mm-hmm. so one day we're sitting around and I was playing some music and he's like, Hey, what's that? And I'm like, Oh, it's this music I wrote. And he's like, Oh, you wrote that? And I'm like, yeah, you know, it's cool. It's this band I'm working on, but you know, it's all me because I can't find anybody to play with. Uh-huh. And he's like, Oh, well, you know, what do you need someone to play? And I was like, well, any of it. And he's like, well, I play drums. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Oh, well, that's cool. You know, like, do you, do you play drums or do you like, are you a drummer? You know, mm. and he's like, Oh, I'm a drummer. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, oh, I, I but are you, a, uh, you know, are you a loose drummer or are you like a clock? And he's like, I'm like a clock. And I was like, okay, let's, you know, let's talk. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the bass player is this guy, Cassidy Beaton. 
he's this other guy who's really interesting. He's kind of the clean cut, uh, you know, the straight laced guy who probably hung out with the wrong kids for a little too long. <laughs> right. And mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. probably got, you know, into some stuff that he shouldn't have got into. But he likes it, likes it so much he doesn't want to get out. Right. <laughs> he, he came to me with just a, like, I like your music and I can play bass. And he, he sat down and played with me. And I was like, you're good, Clay. I can work with you, you know. Right on. Uh, the guitar player is a close friend of mine. And he's actually like, he's a real good motivational like he he works with me on the weekly on my material and writing and sculpting and you know the the arrangements and you know he trusts me with my melodies and i trust him with his opinion on where the melodies and parts should go yeah and he's a fantastic guitar player and i'm so you know humbled to have him play with me his name is alex riberio and I, you know, it's funny. I, I, I've taken a lot of lessons in my life. I never learned shit. You know, my parents were always like, God damn it. We wasted all that money. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I'm humbled when I get to play with people that, you know, are, are fairly masterful with their instrument and craft. So, you know, it's, it's a great honor to play with him. Yeah. And to share, you know, share this experience. Yeah. You know, the other thing is, like I'm very open to working with artists. Like my earlier projects with the Death Camp were basically me and anybody else who had some weird noise concept, you know? Mm. I had this guy play with me once and all he played was a door spring through a microphone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I was like, okay, you know, oh, and he had a fish tank pump that I don't know what the hell it did. He just turned it on and put it in his mouth. I was like, is this some sort of like golden throat or like, is it a bong or something? I was like, I'm still lying. And I don't think it made any noise, but he rocked that. I mean, I'm serious. He rocked it. Like it was like, Hendrix's fire ritual. <laughs> nice. Do you feel like I do? It's hilarious. <laughs> we did once, once I did a puppet show. Uh-huh. And it, we built a little puppet booth, and we made up this puppet story. Uh, another friend of mine, Elizabeth Pitney, mm-hmm. and I dreamed up a story to tell this puppet story. And it was about uh, an alien that had been captured and taken to Area 51 like years ago, and had been dissected down to basically just a he- head and a tube. Mm-hmm. And it escaped Area 51 mm-hmm. and was found by like a, a, a wild hare, like a rabbit. Mm. and the rabbit saved it and right. took it to play pinball and that was basically <laughs> like the puppet show and we had like a pinball machine <laughs> puppet and the alien head puppet and a rabbit puppet and of course the crazy light show the whole time and you don't know how many people got pissed off because they were like i i thought this was gonna be a child thing oh, like no. i brought my kids <laughs> yeah it was just so you know it was so funny because it's you know it said fun ha- fun puppet show and then a real small level of young people's death chant, you know, so nobody took the time to read like it's young. Oh, man, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Death camp might've been. But, a uh, yeah. I've always, had, I've always had a thing for like, if it gets too straight and narrow, mm. then it's wrong. You know? Yeah. Like, I love it when things melt down. I love to like, have random people show up in costumes. I love to like play in costumes. I love to like be on the freak out all the time when it comes to the show. You know, I want the shows to just be this, like where you go and it, 
leaves an impression. It may even be like that bad trip impression where, you know, you may need to go to a counselor or see your, your priest or someone afterwards. But <laughs> right. you know, as long as it makes an impression, right. right? You know, I love musicians. I love all art and stuff. But I really get disappointed when I go to a club and I see these people standing up there, no light, no lights, playing originals. Maybe they're not. But there's just no show there, yeah. you know, yeah. and it's like it's kind of anticlimactic from the minute you you know you walk in. So I'm really fighting that. Even a bad trip's a, a memorable trip, right? <laughs> You're always gonna people are always gonna have that story. Uh, oh man, this one time, you know, <laughs> you know, we went to the parking garage and there was a security guard, and holy shit, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's important, man. I, and I think we need to see more of it. So you guys got to watch the video, right? Yeah, yeah, it's great. Yeah, that that was the next thing I was going to... LSD is the bomb. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it's funny. Uh, that was another project where I was like, I'm going to reach out to some other people, but different people. I'm going to reach out to producers and engineers and you know videographers and that creative side. Uh-huh. And so I approached this guy who runs a, a, a video studio and a recording studio and you know, they're really sweet people. It's really wonderful to work with them and have access to their, uh, you know, their facility and, you know, be welcome. But from the get go, the guy was kind of like, I don't know, like this, you know, LSD thing. And like <laughs> the whole premise, I, I come at him, I'm like, okay, so here's the song. And then meanwhile, I want to shoot these videos of a creepy ice cream truck handing out ice cream to kids, but the ice cream is symbolic of LSD, you know? Right. And he's just like, whoa, that's like kind of <laughs> all right. <laughs> <laughs> and then I remember showing up one time with uh, some footage, you know, to work footage into it. Uh-huh. And he was like, man, like, you're really not funding this with like acid money or like drug money. Or, like, this isn't a front <laughs> And I'm just like, no, dude, like, really, I'm really a really nice, nice guy. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's like ice cream and yeah. ice cream trucks. I just like to hand out laced ice cream. <laughs> That's all. There's a funny thing, too. Like, you know, you guys listen to all the doom and, you know, uh, stoner rock and stuff. Huh? Like, you know, Fu Manchu, they've got like the, the, the shag vans. And uh, like Chevelle have the muscle cars. All those guys are like, yeah, we're so bad. Yeah. You know, we're so heavy and slow. But we got these bad, powerful cars. Yeah. And I'm like, I want to show up in an ice cream truck. Thank you. Like, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's my badass vehicle. <laughs> I remember telling the videographer guy like that, like, I want cut shots, really cut shots. The ice cream truck pulling up. I want the truck to be filled with smoke. And we jump out and they're like, wow. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's like, whatever, we can do it all. Like, just throw a bunch of money at it. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy. But yeah, I can't wait to get the video out. You know, I'm really trying to do it right. So I hit as many people and, you know, really it works for me. Like in this day and age, it's so important. Like if, if I took the time to make something really quality, then I really should take the time to make sure it gets out correctly, you know? Yeah. Yeah, do you have any kind of like projected date on it or anything? I'm hoping probably May. Mm-hmm. I'm going to use it basically as like a build up. I'll tease the video, release the video, and then use something from the video to tease the tour. Mm-hmm. It's my plan. So I'll definitely start working like the. I've already kind of had a couple teases out on TikTok. Okay. 
if if you need to know, like you can follow Andy Stoma on TikTok. Okay. And then you can follow like Young People's Death Camp and all our links through Linktree, through Instagram or uh, youngpeoplesdeathcamp.com. Cool. But uh, yeah, the, you know, the video is like a fantastic moment for me. It was great to like bring in a lot of other people. It was great for the band. You know, it was one of those like mid COVID moments where it was like, great, we're, we're staying productive. We're doing things like we aren't getting bogged down by the pandemic and the turmoil and the lack of opportunities. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and I was going to ask you about that. Just the, the idea that, you know, nobody likes to think that they've had to compromise their art. And I hate to use that terminology, but during COVID, I mean, it's, it's really, well, I mean, shit, like you say, you just had to, you know, reconnoiter and you had to change so many things around. Is there anything you think that's really just, you got punched in the gut for with this that you've had to compromise or you think, boy, we could have done this a lot better with, uh, without all that shit going on. Or do you think you've adapted? Well, I mean, the only disappointment that I would say I've had from COVID would be the, besides my own personal struggles, like I've had a lot of, you know, my own family personal struggles. Oh yeah. But with the band, one thing that really was the biggest hurdle was we were pretty primed to do all of this about three years ago. Mm -hmm. And then it just got put on hold. And then every time you kind of set up to go again, it just got shut down or something else. Yeah. Like right now, the big hurdle is just all the promoters are so logged with acts they promised gigs over the last year or two, you know? Yeah. So it's like every time I talk to somebody, they're, you know, they're excited that like, hey, wow, I like it. You know, I really want to work with you. But unfortunately, we can't talk until this far out, you know? Yeah. Right. And a lot of them need to, because they've been hit so hard, go with the guaranteed moneymakers for a while. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's the sad thing is nobody wants to take risks and everybody believes that like, you know, oh my God, the the shortages, you know, all this like hype, mm. the money shortage, there's no shortage of goddamn money on the planet, you know? Yeah. There's no shortage of fuel. There's no shortage of workers. The, the problem is the situations are wrong. Right. That it's not creating an environment that people want to be that person or have that service anymore, you know? Right. Speaking of Nathan Calhoun, he was mentioning that like a year ago when he was on the show. It was just the fact that, you know, as things come back around and as things open back up, these so many of these venues and everything has promised so much money to cash cows. You know, like Austin's a prime example of that. Right. You've got all these bands there that are typically bring in, even the local acts bring in a bunch more. There's a lot that get neglected because they're not, you know, they don't typically sell out a a 1500 seat theater or whatever. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, how long are they going to keep trying to make their money back versus, you know, all these other bands who are also starving who, you know, need a little slice of that pie. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I saw, I don't know if you're familiar with low, the band low. Mm -hmm. So I went and saw them in New York city two nights ago. I love low. I'm really, you know, I have my own fan page to low. (laughs) Right on. But the band that they had open for them, Divide and Dissolve, were these two uh, native women mm-hmm. who play like kind of doom noise, you know, power noise music. You know, they're on a mission, like to hear these people get up and, you know, they're like, we don't get this opportunity to play in front of groups like this. Like, it's so wonderful to be here. You know, this is what 
our real mission is. You know, they took a chance every time they opened their mouths to say, like, think about the world around you, you know, like use this time to like think about what's going on, you know. Mm. It was really empowering to see something that like I wouldn't have been drawn into. I love experiencing music, but I, I can only find so much at a time. Yeah. And there's so much great talent. Like I see it on TikTok. I'll see this so much talent that are just just like me, like little people way at the bottom, the smallest of the smallest fish. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm just humbled at times. I'm like, wow, look at the you know, look at these people. There's so much wonderful talent. And, you know, unfortunately so much of it just gets swept aside or lost in the, the tidal wave of it. Yeah. And that's one thing that we're kind of big on wanting to let people know there's lots of good shit you haven't heard of out there. Oh yeah. You know, I went through, it's funny. Like I went through a big rebirth of music once apps like Pandora and Spotify came around, Mm. you know, in their early days when the platform didn't have that much. So you didn't have choices. You couldn't choose the whole catalog. You had to listen to whatever they threw at you. Right. And they kept it within like six degrees of separation. But you know, you got exposed to a lot of music that like, yeah, well, I skipped it or I listened to it or I liked it. Mm -hmm. But because of that, like app and that change in technology, I've been exposed to so many incredible acts that I just would never have been able to experience in my own lifetime. Yep. Same. Yeah. It's sort of a double-edged sword really, because I mean, you look at the fact that people say, oh, there's just, it's too much out there. It's too overwhelming. But then again, I mean, if it was 15, 20 years ago, you wouldn't have access to it at the same time. So, you know, it's it's sort of a trade-off in some ways that you've got to, you got to dig to find good stuff sometimes. But the fact that we have access to so much more now is incredible, but it can be overwhelming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I will say, like, for me, it's like, it's rewarding, you know, in the sense of knowing that, like, if I really sit down long enough, I know I will find things that just open my eyes to new experiences all the time. I just have to be patient. Yeah. And be willing to find it, like, instead of being very narrow about, like, well, it's got to have distorted guitars. And, (laughs) well, it's definitely got to have a double kick drum, you know? Right. Yeah. Well, and that's something I was saying to you earlier is just like, uh, I love the fact that even though there's like the samples involved and and the kind of digitronic aspect of of what you do, it's not your run of the mill industrial garbage, you know, (laughs) it's like, that's formulaic. Yeah. Yeah. And not that the people who invented that formula are wrong. I mean, I, I think that I love a lot of that shit. I still do. Right. But it's like, you know, being able to mix that up and like you, and I'm glad that you even mentioned like a grunge aspect. I, I can definitely see that, you know, in your music. It's like mixing those two things really turn me on. <laughs> right. It's funny when I work with Alex, the guitar player, he's always like, man, like, do you hear that? And I'll be like, what? And he'll be like, oh, that's like this surf guitar riff. Mm-hmm. Or it's this, you know, like 1950s doo-wop song. And I'm just like, man, dude, he's like, you you always like pull up these melodies that like harken back to like early rock, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm always just like, oh, really? I just see it as like a three chord, just strum it this way, strum it that way, maybe invert it and then hit the old, you know, the old super distortion and away you go. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, seriously, that's kind of how it is, though. I mean, if you look at even Nirvana, it was really kind of the Beatles with gravel. 
Yeah. Like I love when I, you know, like when I listen to ministry, I, I pull the, 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 that stuff apart. When I listen to like music that has a lot of samples, I just pull that apart and I <sighs> get deep within it trying to hear every little grain of it, you know? Mm-hmm. I'm always impressed when I hear somebody using something in a way that I haven't used it. Yeah. And I've been through so many, like, I hate to say it, stacks and stacks of records. Like, that's another great thing about the digital revolution now is I can pirate everything from the web. I don't have to go and flip through record bins anymore and, like, yeah. Yeah. listen to these shitty records that kids had a hold of, <laughs> right. you know, that scratch their names into them and stuff. <laughs> like, just to find, like, a sentence that's, like, workable. Right. So, I mean, it's been really good for me in the sense of, like, I can create on the fly and the stories. Like, when I create the vocals, initially there's, like, a a, a kind of a spark. But then once the, the materials start to come in, you know, and I source certain things, all of a sudden it hits, like, an, a, a combustion point. Mm. And then it really takes off. And that's when all of a sudden I'm like, whoa, it's, the story's happening. Like, in my mind, it's making sense. Yeah, maybe the drugs are really good. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) So I was going to ask you about that. We often like banter this back and forth when it comes to fair use and it comes to sampling and everything else like that. Mm -hmm. Have you you come up with any like rules of thumb about how you can use something or whether you can use something worried about being sued for using it? Right. On my first album, I was a little more brazen. Yeah. Like there's one or two samples that are actually like another group's measure. Mm-hmm. I usually when I, when I take a loop from a group, it's usually just a two measure beat or something, you know, just trying to lift a beat. Mm-hmm. But now, I mean, I, I write a lot of that stuff on my own. I have my own outboard gear, you know. I have a lot of like drum machines and synth potential at my hand, mm-hmm. plus a really slick DAW. So I'm pretty savvy when I do that. The thing now is when I'm with the band, I kind of don't use a lot of that stuff because it's hard to drag that into the live rig. Uh. I, I don't mind playing with it canned, but it, it, sometimes it can really throw off the show if it gets off. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, and that's a real, like, I hate to say it, you know, I hate standing on stage and feeling like my pants just got pulled down. Right. So, like, playing the canned synths is great for some bands having it all in here you know if i had a, a engineer and this fifty thousand dollar sound rig like sure i would definitely can it and have it in here right because i'm doing it myself you know with my own onboard gear and trying to run it off flash drives and things like that like right. yeah no i probably should leave that stuff at home yeah so the live show yeah it's real powerful real guitar driven we throw a lot of stuff around. We definitely like do a little doom. We do a little like industrial, a lot of grunge, a lot of post rock and kind of slow uh, dream core, slow core type stuff. So it's definitely like broad and powerful. I really try and make it a sonic experience. So like there'll be moments that are quiet and then other moments that are just ear drum bursting loud, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's funny, uh, speaking of working with other artists, I reached out to Esben Willems from Monolord right at the beginning of COVID. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. We worked a little collaboration, and then I was like, hey, man, I need some, like, mastering work done. You know, I need some help with, like, my live vocals. I need, like, this canned stuff to sound perfect. I need to know, like, 
when I go from PA to PA that I can make this sound spot on every time. Mm-hmm. So he and I worked with my, my sound sets and my vocal sets and like, it's really cool to like get that done professionally from him. You know, he, he was kind of the same way. He's like, man, I hear so many different angles in your music. It's like a song starts off one way and then after it hits the bridge or chorus, you know, it has this like hidden little flare in it that harkens to like something else. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I just, when it comes to like my writing, I try to like always write like in my mind what feels natural, you know, like what feels like a normal breath, like what feels like you just inhaled like a normal breath of air. Like it's got to feel right. It's got to be like a clock. You know, everything has to be natural. Sometimes when you produce everything in a DAW, it loses all this natural vibe, you know, and it just becomes so machined down where it's just quantized to the the tick. Sure. There's no real human vibe or feel kind of in it yeah so that's the great thing about like the band is like there's a little more control of the songs a little more fun and play in it some of the songs take totally different stabs at the material versus what's been recorded and released you know it's really fun to do that like that really turns some heads too because most people would be like oh i didn't recognize it at all until like i heard the chorus and then i recognized those vocal samples and realized you were playing that weirdo song that i like you know? <laughs> yeah yeah you ever had anybody come at you with like a, a cease and desist order for uh any samples right not really i mean i definitely you know i hate to say it i don't because i release it all myself uh-huh like i you know i don't have to entertain that kind of thing yeah the sad thing is is when i approach individuals about releasing my material that's like one of the biggest hurdles anybody who's going to invest money fears that they're going to lose their money because it'll get shut shut down you know yeah well we worry about that with like the just the bots you know the fact that the internet can listen in yeah because i don't know how many times in like social media or whatever i've made a little video or something that sampled some song it's like you've been shut down by Sony Warner brothers. Well, you know, whoever, because <laughs> we own the copyrights to that song. And it's like, dude, I played like three seconds of that song, <laughs> but the fucking internet bots picked up on it. Yeah. The thought police. They're always there. Yeah. Yeah. Put me in Facebook jail or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I have it. You know, it's funny. Most of my stuff is so collaged and so worked over that I usually don't get any like pickups like that, you know? Mm. Plus, like, most of the time, they're looking for, like, sound wave, you know, like a full wave to compare. Right. Whereas I'm just stealing parts of cues of it, so. Ah. Like I said, where I where I tend to run into the snafu is when I talk to industry people, you know, some love it. They're like, oh, it's great, and this and that, but I would never release it, you know. I wouldn't <laughs> put my own, you know, million dollars on it. Like, right. So, I, you know, I'm happy also, like I, you know, I'm happy being my own little media pirate and running around and doing it like very underground and very DIY. I'd love for some opportunities to really bring it out for people. That's like my whole intention with like starting these tours. Sure. You know, it started actually this whole concept started mid COVID. All the bars were being so crazy with, oh, you can only have 50 people in the bar and oh you got to sell 50 tickets to book a show with us and you know the 50 people better buy six drinks each and you know it just got to be such a pain in the ass that i was like i don't need bars i i don't want to play in bars anymore Mm. 
I don't like the crowd. Like if I'm trying to entertain the guy who's more interested in the, the $2 happy hour drafts, mm. you know, I don't need to be there playing for him. Like it's not, you know, it's not where it's at. Right. So I, I started this whole, like, I'm going to do pop-ups, you know, I, I've been playing at this like Kava bar art holistic center. That's fantastic in my town. It's, it really supports, you know, the local music and local art scene very well and a holistic scene and the spiritual scene. It's a cool little center for that vibe. Huh. And uh, yeah, and the guy's really open. He likes my stuff, you know. Even though when I approached him, he I, I approached him like, odds are your 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 people won't like my show, you know. Yeah, yeah. But he he's like, I like your material. I'm really interested, you know. He was like, I'm more than interested. Like, I like what you're selling me. Yeah. Do you have any favorite like audience response stories, like good or bad? Every time we play, the audience response is fantastic. People are blown over. Like we get a lot of you know open love and praise, and you know please come back. Mm-hmm. Where I don't get the love is when things get posted because then I run into the people, the narrow-minded people that see you know the word death camp and associate me with some sort of hate group. Oh yeah, it's funny. I always reach out to the people, and I'm like you know I'll send them a link to my most inspirational song because all of my music is built out of love and like compassion and peace and acceptance. Like all of, all of my material, even songs like LSD is the bomb. You know, it's, it's not about telling kids to, you know, get all wasted. It's about like being free to understand like what you're doing with your body. Yeah. But yeah, it really bothers me that people, you know, as they say, haters hate. Yeah. Well, yeah, there's a real myopic view and people feel like they don't have enough time in the day to give, enough you know they don't dig in enough uh to really figure out where somebody's coming from i'll always give somebody the benefit of the doubt some things can be parody you know sure i had a chance to play this festival and the guy was like oh you came recommended really highly by another friend of yours and i was like oh great you know what's the event and he's like oh well we we have this blueberry farm and you know we were interested in seeing some of your movies and hearing your music and i'm like oh all right great oh nice he's like well what's the band name and I told him the band name, and he was like, oh, oh, whoa. He's like, slow down. You know? <laughs> and he's like, well, you understand? Like, my relatives were Jewish. And I'm like, that's, you know, I'm, I'm sorry. Like, I'm not trying to ever, like, shed a bad light or uh, to not cast light into that horrific environment. Yeah. And then I basically was like, you know, there's plenty of other circumstances all around the world that have been going on since then, and they're still going on that demonstrate that we're still practicing that same kind of mentality. Sure. We just use different words for it. And, you know, the fact that I use the word death camp is really saying that we're living in it and we have to do everything to get out of it. Or maybe somebody has to come and save us from it. Right. We need to be liberated. And of course he's like, whoa, that's so deep. You're in. Like, I love you. You're, you're welcome to play. <laughs> and then of course it just got all screwy. It's like, oh, by the way, like, I don't know if, like how much power do you need and can you set up and I'm in a field and this and that. And I was just like, yeah, no, what dude, like no money, no gig. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mm. We still take payment up front. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, like the live shows have been great. It ta- it's, we bring a lot to the show. People get a little like impressed when they realize like these four guys, like me, I handle the lights, the fronting of the band, ninety mm. percent of the setup and tear down. 
all of the booking, all of the management, all of the merch. Mm -hmm. The one thing I don't do is drive and soon I'll be doing that too. Mm. So it's like, you know, people are pretty blown away by the amount of momentum and oomph that we come with. Yeah. Like I said, I really want a show on a level of like what I was able to experience. Yeah. I've seen so many shows. I've been to thousands of shows, tons of psychedelic shows. You know, I, I used to follow the Grateful Dead for years and just, you know, lose my mind in their sound, you know, and watch their shows all day long and dream about their light shows. Mm-hmm. I used to see Almond Brothers, Sonic Youth, like so many bands with great visual light shows and great live sounds. Right. And I've always been like, you know, when I do my show, it's got to be that. It's, it can't be no half-assed job. Yeah. So speaking of like tours and merch and t-shirt, all the, where would somebody want to go to check out any of your stuff if they wanted to do that? So all of the material and merch is available through our band camp, uh, young people's stuff camp at bandcamp.com. Mm-hmm. You can find links to all that. If you're not a link typer, you can go right to www.youngpeoplesdeathcamp.com. <laughs> Remember the K is spelled or the camp is spelled with a K with a K yeah. for extra. Cool. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't know if you ever noticed all my little catchphrases like love by few hated by all, <laughs> you know, with a name like death camp, it's gotta be good. <laughs> I always right. like steal those fifties, like, commercial cues and commercial selling points right television warped my brain and drugs yeah but mostly television yeah i hate to think of what i'm going to be like when i'm like 80 or 90 and the person in the nursing home has to like put up with me oh i think we're gonna make awesome old people i do right (laughs) i think some of our kids are already catching on to it i mean they hate us now but uh i always wonder what that's gonna be like it's gonna be fun to see like just nursing homes filled with sleeved out people yeah yeah playing biggie smalls and shit (laughs) (laughs) right like hypnotize yeah yeah that's gonna be weird are they gonna look at that like we look at like big band Mm. right oh no they're playing eminem again (laughs) yeah well i've often said that's like that's even weird about just old people now how i've often said like it, like people who are my parents' age, well, my dad died a few years ago, but my mom's still around. And she like talks about liking like big band. And it's like, mom, you were around in the sixties. Right. You were young when like fucking Zeppelin was playing and shit. And don't try to convince me that you were like a, you know, Patsy Klein was like a, that was beyond contemporary to you by any means, <laughs> but they kind of go older, you know, so they don't associate with that. And I find that weird. But uh, it's going to be interesting, yeah, when we're, like, fucking in an old folks' home and playing KMFDM <laughs> or Slayer, <laughs> you know. Yeah, hopefully the old Slayer, though, none of that new stuff. Right. <laughs> 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 you kids these days. <laughs> you know, here's here's an ironic concert story. Uh-huh. I went to see Slayer probably, like, I've seen Slayer a ton of times. I love Slayer. Mm-hmm. But I saw them on like a tour with Slipknot and they were basically opening for Slipknot. That doesn't seem right. No. I remember being in the mosh pit and like running into these people over and over and they'd be like, man, stop hitting me. Stop bumping into me. (laughs) And I'd just be like, dude, like, what the, (laughs) like, how, why are you here? Like, why are you here? It's 
right like, like everybody knows slayer is like the godfather of pretty much every you know and the, the hierarchy is like god created ozzy then ozzy created slayer and mm-hmm. so of course they're pissing me off and i'm just like man kids today kids today <laughs> and then of course slipknot comes out and these kids turned into like raging animals i was just like <laughs> what like what did i just witness it was like they took like Jekyll and Hyde medicine. It was just like you went from like being upset that people were touching you to like ripping your clothes off and dancing around <laughs> like a wild animal. That's crazy. <laughs> yep. Weird. Growing up in in rural Missouri, we didn't get a lot of the shows that a lot of the other places in the country would get. And people would go fucking ape shit crazy over some of the most timid bands. Oh, innocuous. Yeah really calm right like i literally watched a a group have to get scolded by adam duritz in a counting crows concert because they were like (laughs) slamming and stage diving at counting crows like mr jones you guys need to calm down like for real yeah it's funny that moment in time all right it's like being an alcoholic there's a moment in time when the, the switch gets flicked and all of a sudden you're like Moshing isn't cool anymore. Like, oh, you know, <laughs> moment of moment of clarity. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's just like, oh, oh my god, someone's gonna mosh. Oh, it's gonna ruin my night. And I love it. I love when people like interact with the music. Yeah, that's like the magic. I love that. For me, the other magic when I see bands live is seeing like something happen on stage and watching like that little proverbial light bulb form over someone's head and they do something musically and then the next guy standing next to them or someone else like all of a sudden their light bulb goes on and they do something Mm -hmm. and all of a sudden it takes on this like cool new form right they play with their material in a way that they engage it every time yeah Instead of being formulaic, like I'm here to play these 12 songs and get off stage, you know, I'm going to play them the same way every time. Most bands nowadays, you know, half the music's canned anyway. They're just waiting for their solo and, you know, they're up there strumming the guitar, you know. Right. You know what? I I think you should look into booking retirement homes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have to change the name, though, again. Old people's deadly acres mm-hmm. you know <laughs> sure i can imagine like the wheelchairs just slamming into each other right. <laughs> you know the best thing about that is you know all of your crowd will be totally high out of their minds so, <laughs> yeah. you know you don't have to worry about you know the crowd not enjoying it because they're probably already pushed their pants before they even before you even said <laughs> right <laughs> and you can come back the next day they won't remember the last show yeah, you can just change the name, you know? <laughs> right. <laughs> As they say, like, every band's got to have a gimmick, right? If you're going to make money, you better have a gimmick. <laughs> right. Or just tell them, just tell them, I'm Justin Bieber. <laughs> <laughs> Honey, you'll never believe who played here last week. Oh, I've heard of you. <laughs> My granddaughter loves you. That would be fantastic, though, to get that cease and desist letter for that. You know? <laughs> like, we've become aware of your recent tour of retirement community facilities, and we want you to stop immediately. <laughs> yeah. Totally do it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'd go see that show. <laughs> Absolutely. 
there was a video flying around in that hardcore band playing at Denny's. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah like, that's hilarious, right? Like, that's the kind of tour you need to book. Yeah, like, yeah. Or the Waffle House or something. Yeah. <laughs> hopefully we don't get thrown in jail for vandalism, but, you know. Yeah. Those are, yeah, because those basement shows and shit weren't always lit. Yeah. Funny, there's a great like underground scene now. There's a lot of cool like basement shows happening and a lot of off the wall spots being turned into creative spots and places. Mm-hmm. And I love that, you know. I love the fact that like musicians are adapting to the fact that we don't necessarily always need a club. We don't necessarily always need a promoter. We don't necessarily need promotion. Right. A lot of bands are strong enough on their own legs now that they can pull off like a, a 50 person show in a, a little coffee shop or at a bookstore, the, the, the park yeah. gazebo, you know? Yeah. And that can turn into a viral video. And then, you know, the next thing you know, they're selling out fucking stadiums. I mean, you, you never know. Right. You got any, uh, you got any shows like that in your past that uh, popped up that stand out to you? I mean, the coolest show I've ever played it. I've played some funny shows. All right. Coolest or weirdest or funniest? Yeah, any of those. I've played some funny shows. So for the the punk and heart, like the Death Camp and Stoma Band and stuff like that, uh-huh. I don't have any glory stories. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But I used to play in a piano trio with this guy from New York City. And it's funny. He basically was like, I used to play bass then. Uh-huh. And the funny thing about bass is I used to play guitar in this punk band mm-hmm. way back in the day. And then the bass player quit and those assholes made me play the bass. All right. <laughs> right. And then the next band was like, Oh, I saw you play bass. Do so you want to play bass in my band? And they'd be like, Oh, well that's cool. I guess I play bass, but I'm really a guitar player. And they're like, no, you can play bass. <laughs> and then, you know, the next band's like, man, you're a great bass player. You're going to play bass for us. And I never got to play guitar in another band until the death camp now. Like, so when I put the death camp together, I was like, who's the front guitar player? Well, that's going to be me. Even if I saw I'm not playing the bass in this band. Like, <laughs> That's funny. That band, I got to meet Melly Mel. Cool. He had good New York connections. And we just played, you know, we played Kenny's Castaways, Lion's Den. You know, we got to play some fun rooms. Right. Being like closer to Manhattan and Brooklyn then was like, Kind of cool, you know. I wish I could get back that way now. The downside is it's just so unapproachable. Yeah. Like, been emailing for over a year now to get it into Brooklyn. It'll happen. Yeah. That's why this video and all this stuff is, you know, that's where the direction is, is to get this momentum finally, like, in front of some people that'll be like, wow, we see what all these other people have seen, which is these guys are serious. Their original music is off the charts. Their live shows are just a zany freak out. Mm-hmm. It's not just like, oh, we showed up and played under red lights. <laughs> right. Well, we'll keep our fingers crossed. We haven't cracked into New York yet, really, in terms of guests. No, not a lot. Yeah. It's kind of weird. Yeah. It's hard, right? Like yeah. every, and that's the thing, too, is that scene is very entrenched. Like, you have to be hardworking, networking in the rooms often right just to like get a chance to even like get on someone's radar yeah well it's entrenched and it's it's also in limbo uh just with this whole covid thing yeah yeah yeah. we hate beating that 
into the ground, but I mean, it's, it's happening. And I mean, it's, uh, you know, New York's one of those cities where it's just fucking things were always happening with people showing up to places yeah. and, you know, they're, they're having a hard time adapting to online presence or just things like that. It's, you know, New York shows were an experience show. Right. You know, I think old bands like Circus of Power and some of those others, how, how interactive they were. And it's, it's changed. It's changed quite a bit. I love seeing, I see so much incredible talent there. Yeah. And it's so, there's so much awesomeness just around every corner. Sure. You know, you just got to pick up a rock and there's someone else. Mm-hmm. The downside is, yeah, it's just going to be so unapproachable. And I, I understand I, Whenever I approach new promoters, any new industry connect, you know, I always try and thank them and say, like, I appreciate all you do. You know, I know that, like, this may be our last conversation, our only conversation, if you even read it, God damn it. Yeah. But I always try and say, I understand this is your career, and I hope you understand this is my career. I hope that, like, we can appreciate the fact that we're both working hard to make the most of our careers, you know, and I can only wish you the best, like. You know, I really try and establish that respect. Yeah. And that that camaraderie, you know, I understand like, yeah, people got to come through doors. Drinks got to get sold. Sure. You know, bills got to get paid. Like, you know, times have to be, you know, set. Like, I understand the whole show thing. I've done it all my life. Yeah. It's something that like, for me, it's like I said, it's magic. It's my home away from home. I'd love to be there every day if I could. Financially, you know, I have to like still cling on to like a job to, you know, keep the bills and the studio open and yeah. the opportunities happening. Yeah. But I really, you know, I, I am very like excited. I'm really excited about, you know, now that things are starting to come back and, you know, heads are starting to come out of the fog, you know, people are really starting, their ears are starting to clear out, you know, yeah. right. everybody's shaping off the cobwebs and getting kind of, back into their, you know, let me experience things, you know? Yeah. And I can't wait to be a part of that. You know, that's, that's huge for me. We'll be pulling for you, man. Yeah. We can't wait for it either. So what have you got, uh, what have you got lined up as far as what, uh, you're going to be, uh, you got any shows lined up, anything like that? Yeah, I've got a, like my plan, like I said, is basically I'm going to take a run from Pittsburgh to Ithaca in early June. Uh-huh. And then we'll take a probably a weekend off and then do a run from, say, Rochester, Syracuse, Albany, Ithaca to end out June. Right on. And then July, we'll probably play maybe a local gig and then try and flip that circuit again in August and run it through the fall. You know, that that's as far as I'm planning on going with the like reaching out of my normal region. As for local shows, like I, I, I tend to play pop-ups. I tend to be kind of sporadic as to what I take. Mm-hmm. I get emails that are like, oh, we really want you to play. I've got the Judas Priest cover band on this night. You know, <laughs> right. and I'm just like, yeah. yeah, no, let the Judas Priest cover band have their moment. Like, you know, I'm not going to try and split a stage with somebody who's got a whole different angle. Yeah. And I don't want to compete with that. I don't want to have to show up and force what I do in front of anybody or after anybody Mm. and either feel like I'm taking all of the limelight or I'm not allowed to take the limelight, you know, like I'm very, very rigid. When I talk to people, I'm like, look, I have a show. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. There's no, can I book this and that, you know, it's, it's, you get the whole package. Yeah. So if you're not, 
comfortable with me projecting my imagery, then no show. If you're not comfortable with the vocal samples or any of the song titles or the name, then no show. Yeah. If there's any screwy, like you don't understand my writer or our agreement, it's it's cut and dry. I'm Like I said, I don't like to have my pants pulled down on stage. Mm-hmm. And I don't like to roll into a town and be kind of in the dark as to like, oh, great, this guy totally pulled the, you know, the wool over my eyes. Yeah. When I was in the band Buddha Spaceship, like we did a really good tour. We had great shows. We got to open for Moby. Like, oh, cool. This cool, like, momentum happened. But it seemed like the further we got away, the harder it was to maintain the rider. Mm. more situations came up where it was like just just play the gig take the money mm. you know and i remember once we took a gig for like 400 and i explained to the, the club guy he was like that's plenty you're only two people uh-huh. i was like man dude there's like close to twenty thousand dollars worth of equipment on stage right your four hundred dollars wouldn't even replace the the cables yeah like you don't understand like yes we're two people but what we bring is like you don't you don't just find that. <laughs> it doesn't just fall into your lap. You're gonna charge less on your beverages and to your audience getting in. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, you know, through my experience over my lifetime, you know, I, I, I tend to try and be as intelligent as I can when it comes to booking and gigging. <clears throat> I'm willing to take some risks, you know. Like I'm willing to talk to people, but you know, if something leaves a weird taste in my mouth, I usually know like it's a bad deal. You know, let's let's walk away from this. The other thing too is, you know, if you are not interested in me this time, I guarantee after we take a run or two, like you probably will get interested. You know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. All right, on. But yeah, like I said, we're gonna probably run those shows in August. My plan is to actually, you know, hit Columbus and play with Nerd Table. Nice. And really try and work up that connection. In Pittsburgh, I'm working with the Warehouse of the Strange People, uh, mm-hmm. just uh, playing an art gallery, uh, uh, playing in Pittsburgh on the 11th of June at the Green Beacon Gallery. Cool. This guy, Mike Fisher, put the show together. He's got a little promotion company. I got to give him a shout out here. His company is Strike True. Okay. You know, he's one of those people that got interest in me early on and has just been faithful and kind and like, consider it you know it's like i i know when i receive comments from him that it's like good and integrity and you know yeah it's a good relationship that's the thing same with like adam i've never met adam in my life in person yeah yeah we haven't either yeah i've talked with him so many times and had so many great conversations it's like i you know i trust him i bump ideas off him i actually sent him this video just a week or two before just to bump it by him i always bump ideas off him Mm mm-hmm He's really been open and kind with, you know, like letting me have some creative freedom with their stuff. It's great to support and co-support and work together. So I'm excited to, you know, get a chance to play with him and his band and see like the fruit of our work come together in a reality instead of just in the digital realm. Yeah. It is interesting how that goes. I was just thinking about that. You know, it's like, uh, I, he was one of the people that like I said, Merry Christmas to on Christmas morning. <laughs> Adam. It's like, I've never met this guy before in my life. He's a good guy. Yeah. I talk to him friends with his mom on Facebook. Candy looks like she makes some great food. We talk every once in a while, chat and shit, but I think that's great. You know, but he's, he's, yeah, he's, he's a solid dude. He's a one of a kind for sure. Yeah. I can tell you that without ever meeting him. He's a stand up cat. Sure. 
Yeah, I'm such a proponent of like artists helping artists. That's like my my mantra. He's like the embodiment 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 of He's that. Like the lobotomy of it. <laughs> He's the lobotomy of it. <laughs> yeah, that's that was like it was it just was so easy to work with him. Yep. And so open and friendly. It didn't feel, you know, forced or any kind of like, you better do a good job, you know. Yeah. We both know like we're both doing it out of love, that there's nothing else no other incentive in it really besides a love and desire to work with each other. Yeah. I, I think that's more important in music than a lot of things is honesty. He's got a new album coming out this year. Yeah. That I got, I got to be a part of that one too. You know, it's, it's so great that I get this continued relationship through him. Yeah. I got to work on a track with him that featured one of the DJs from Limp Bizkit. Huh? He produced most of the track and then nerd table set their stuff to it. And then they sent it to me to mix and produce a subtle version of it for them. Uh And then he let me basically tweak it out my own way. So I gave it this real kind of like Beck meets butthole surfers kind of vibe, Uh a little more aggressive vocal samples and a lot of like affected. I I took Adam's voice and pitched it down and pitched it up and ran it through delays and then ran it through, you know, filters and Uh control pads and things that I could basically just, get a lot of dynamic movement out of it and beefed it up it's so like hip-hop driven it's fantastic yeah i'm looking forward to that we're gonna have to have him back on too. talk about the new record well for sure yeah his new new record's got so much talent on it i did the video for Teresa nervoso oh yeah yeah she's on it paul leary did the album artwork for it's like every time i talk to that guy i'm just like what (laughs) yeah (laughs) how do you talk to these guys and by the way, like, if I sent you, like, a box of chocolates, could you send them my email or something? <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I'm always, like, I'm honored always to get to work with his projects. Every once in a while, it's it's hard. You know, it's hard working over distance with people you don't know. Sure. It's hard to spend two or three nights in my studio cranking out a mix for him and then have him throw it back and be like, it's garbage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. He's never said that. Right. But, you know, it's it's that kind of work where it's like I do as best I can, and then I have to also understand that I have to allow him his place in it. I have to allow the band to have their place. And we can all find that like mutual success through being involved, you know, and working towards the solution instead of fighting it. Yeah. How many times you hear bands, oh, we were in the studio and we just ripped the hair out of our head because the engineer wouldn't do this or that. Right. So really excited for that release. You know, hopefully he'll let me throw another video out his way. Mm-hmm. The the last tracks I got to do with him, the pandemics mix that I got to do, and then uh, oh, was it farewell? Yeah, it was farewell. That mix for him for his album. You know, it was so much fun, and to you know just meet like some of the other people involved was great to get their like appreciation of what I was doing and how my input had maybe made an impact in a way that you know they enjoyed. Sure. Yeah, that sincerity. That sincerity is very important to us, I think. For sure. Um, you know, we, we feature a lot of people over all spectrums of music and yeah. entertainment and everything from multi-platinum selling to, you know, local bands and things like that. But uh, our most important thing is looking at people who are sincere, who mean what they're trying to do, and uh, are producing shit that we find interesting, entertaining, and fun. And, and you're definitely up there in that category man right we appreciate having you on for sure 
Yeah. We don't want to keep you on all night though, man. I know it's getting super late there on the East Coast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well into your birthday. Yeah, officially. It's, yeah, it's just time to start partying, man. <laughs> you know what? I'm, I'm going to call that guy. It's, you don't have a number linked to that, do you? That that soundbite? I actually, <laughs> I have a phone number that, you have this number? that I think I do. Call him up and be like, I'm here, man. Hey, I'm here. <laughs> Mr. Call. <laughs> <laughs> Should totally do that. No, thank you so much for having me on and making my birthday. Thanks for always listening to anything. Witnessing anything I do is always a blessing, you know. The videos, I'm always like, wow, like I didn't scare people away. That's a great thing. <laughs> <laughs> no, man, absolutely not. No, it was, it's great to have you, man. And uh, yeah, yeah, super short notice, everything. We appreciate that, too. And saved our, saved our ass this weekend. And uh, it was great. Yeah, and keep us posted. And we'll uh, definitely check back in. Yeah, I was going to say, it's great to write. It's helping people out. Everybody's helping out. It's like meant to be, right? Absolutely. The universe answers. <laughs> right on. But yeah, no, thanks for having me on. It's always a blessing. Right on. All right, well, thank you, man. Thanks a lot. You've been listening to Undetermined the Podcast special guest, Andy Stoma, Young People's Death Camp, Corporate Death Productions. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Thanks for listening. Have a great week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Ow.